We are concluding our book of Exodus, the book of Shemos, the reading this week of Pekudei. There was a other book by the name of Exodus written a long time later, the late 1950s by Leon Uris. It actually was translated into Russian and had a significant role of impacting Soviet Jewry to be able to stand up and say, we are proud to be Jewish. But it's fascinating in the book of Exodus, the biblical one, the older one, it ends on not a very powerful, dramatic note. One would be a little bit disappointed. If you look at the end of the book of Exodus, it ends by the creation of the state of Israel, Dun, dun, dun. I mean, you remember the music, and it's very powerful. Here, we conclude with a description of everything that Moshe was, was told to build in the tabernacle, transferred to the Jewish people, B'Tzalel and Aliyah, the builders, and all that was already discussed, and now repeating that they did it, Kasher Tziv Hashem et Moshe just as they were commanded to do it by Moshe. Not so dramatic. But my friends, very, very powerful in understanding Exodus and what real freedom is about. This is a lesson that was taught to me. Ruthie and I went to Moscow and Odessa. It's so, it, it pains me to see the pictures of Odessa now filled with Soviet troops beautiful city. But when we went there, we were sent there to teach the next group of refuseniks, identify instructors, and to give them as much as we could to prepare them to teach and to take the roles of those who had been sent out. And there's a gentleman that I met, Yosef Mendelevich, very, very famous now lives in Israel, extraordinary rabbi. But in the old days, he was just a very frustrated Georgian Jew who had recently accepted Shabbat. He was excited he was going to keep Shabbat. He wanted to move to Israel, and like all refuseniks at the time, they were rejected. That's why they're called refuseniks. And of course, what happens is then they're fired, then they're arrested for being a parasite of the state. It's a vicious cycle of discrimination, pain. They had enough. They decided they were going to borrow an airplane because in their town, there was a little small airport. There was a plane that carried the correspondence, mail, etc. parked every night, and in the morning, in the nighttime, it was refueled, and in the morning, it went along its way with bringing mail back to the central postal headquarters. It had the capacity to actually fly to Israel, and Yosef Mendelevich had a friend who was a pilot. They put together a very secretive, small group, and they came up with a plan that they were going to borrow this plane, fly to Israel, send it back, eventually pay for it. But um, 
they wanted freedom. Swaboto. And the Lovitch described that as that fateful night arrived, he just felt something was wrong. When they came to the perimeter of the airport, it was too quiet. But they couldn't stop at that point. They cut through the fencing, climbed up into the cockpit of this plane, and in seconds, all the lights of the airport turned on, and the sound of the dogs and of the troops who quickly surrounded them and arrested them. Mendelevich and his compatriots were sentenced to hard work, labor, in the worst prison camp in the Soviet Union in the area of Siberia. It was a very difficult sentence, and day-to-day was torture. Which made it surprising that when the Shabbat came along Saturday morning and the laborers, the slave laborers, were being loaded onto their truck, that Mendelevich turned around to the guard and said, look, today is my Sabbath. I'm not going to go. I will work triple the amount of time in the nighttime to make up for this, but I'm not going on the truck on my Sabbath. The guard thought it was the funniest joke he had ever heard. Slapped him on the back. <laughs> Mate, it was great. Yeah. Until he realized he was serious. He called the commandant, who of course, with great sensitivity, explained to him, okay, until you get out of your madness, we're going to hospitably place you within this room. Now, this room was a tin room, no heat, in the middle of the tundra close to Siberia. The room had no windows, just little peephole, rock floor. There was a board for his bed, a bowl for his facilities, the washroom. And every day they would bring to Mendelevich a piece of bread and a cup of water. Mendelevich separated the bread into three parts. The outer part, the crust, he said, was the sweetest part of the bread. He hid under the bedboard. The majority of the bread he ate, and a little morsel of bread he kept on the tray, like to say to the guard, okay, I had enough, thank you very much. And every day, based on the opening of that little people, every day he made a notch in the tin of the wall. And figured out when the next Shabbat was coming. And before that Shabbat arrived, he tore from the hem of his pants two pieces of cloth. One he put on his head, and the other was to cover the bread. And before the Shabbat actually arrived, based again the shadows of light that he was able to see from under the door, he made a picture of two candles. And after he lit his candles, he took out all of the bread, he made kiddush on his amazing meal. He said it was like delicious meat 
and soups and borscht and caviar. It was, it was amazing. And he had this scrumptious meal for the honor of the Sabbath. And he's so filled with joy of the Shabbat that he got up and he began to sing and to dance. And the noise of this prisoner singing and dancing inside of this metal piece of tin actually saw this room in an article in the National Geographic after the disbandment of the Soviet Union. In this incredible hovel of a place, he sang and he danced. He must have made a lot of noise because the guard opened up the peephole and he saw his prisoner singing and dancing. Are you Mishuga? And whatever the Russian equivalent is of absolutely insane. What are you doing? And the lover stopped. What do you think I'm doing? I'm singing and dancing. He says, yes, I know, but why? He says, today is my Sabbath. That's what we do on Shabbat. God looked at him. Come here, he said. They looked at him almost eye to eye, and he said to him, you are a prisoner of the Soviet Union. You're a slave in the worst confinement facility, in the worst prison, in the worst area of this country. You are a slave of the Soviet Union. You can't be singing and dancing. And the Levitch looked back and he said, you sir are making a mistake. You see, I'm a Jew. Today is my Shabbat. Today, I am free. Tomorrow, I'll be your slave. When we finish the book of freedom of the book of Shmos, the most common term that's used in this parsha, in this is all about kasher siva Hashem et Moshe. Everything was done because this is what God wanted. It wasn't about me. But Salo, artisan, genius, young. But the genius was an understanding, discernment, understanding the hearts of the people who brought their gifts and the mystery behind its construction. But not one ounce of his ego was placed within the design. It was exactly as God commanded. And that's what we're meeting in the world today. There's one individual, one person. You may question his mental capacity and stability, but you can't question his evil. And that evil is based on the number one priority in Putin's life is Putin. And it was a choice between the entire nation of Russia and this megalomaniac. I don't think he would care if he imprisoned, if he had to execute everyone else because it was all and is all about him. And we see the destruction. 
that takes place, when that becomes the theme, that's what causes pain. That's what spills the blood of children. That's what unleashes hatred and lies. Every single person, and most of us don't have access to significant tank crews and missiles, just saying. But we all have access to the ego. Real freedom takes place. Kashir Tziva Hashem. To be able to know it's not about me, what does God want from me? How can I take this moment and make it about others than myself? They grew up in a world of Paro. Paro was a Putin. It's like a lot of P words. Paro was a Putin. It was all about Paro. It was never about Egypt. He could sit and watch the entire country be destroyed, but he couldn't give in that there was anything greater than he. My friends, what we learn from the book of Shmos is that real freedom is to be able to sing and dance no matter what surrounds us because we are the servants of God. Not any other person, not any other country, not any other culture. We are the servants of Hashem. And there's no better way, no more dramatic premise to end the book of Exodus with that statement. Shabbat Shalom.